And this episode is sponsored by Dank Seeds, the architects of distinct cannabis strains. Crossbreeds that harness effects that bestow elevated experiences upon those who consume them. Cash Color Cannabis will be collaborating with Dank Seeds over the next four months on an exclusive short vlog series. Stay tuned for more details. In the meantime, head to DankSeeds.com to see what they offer. Let's Cash Color Cannabis a high level of conversation. Um, today we have a good conversation happening. Uh, recently, the House of Representatives passed a bill to decriminalize cannabis. Now, that's all I saw up and down my timeline for a few days after the House passed the Moore Act, also known as the Marijuana Opportunity Reinvestment Expungement Act. I know that's a lot of words, but the bill would remove cannabis from the Controlled Substance Act, which would decriminalize cannabis on a federal level. Um, this would be the first time Congress has ever voted on such a thing. Now, while many have cheered on the move as, a, as it's a move in the right direction, others have panned it as more symbolic than anything else. Um, so rather than jump on it myself, I thought I'd bring somebody on who I felt could have a good take on the subject, which is my friend Dashita Dawson. Um, so for those who don't know, Dashita is an author, activist, and an outspoken defender of the plant and those who use it. And I knew that she would have a great take on the Moore Act, so I tapped her to discuss that today with my audience. So without further ado, Dashita, how are you doing today? Hey, how are you? We Thank are great. Always. Oh, no doubt, no doubt. You know, you have been a guest on the podcast before. We've had you and your sister on. We've had you um, do solo stuff. You know, we, we, we're very familiar with your take on things. So I thought, again, she'd be the perfect person to have this conversation with. Yeah, no, I've appreciated uh, how many people have reached out. You know, um, it really started because my social media probably was not what folks would have expected for the MORE Act. Um, and, you know, on a personal level, I was deeply disappointed. I felt like it was a culmination of a year of a lot of performative acts in the name of Black Lives in some ways, but, you know, nothing really of substance behind it. And in the case of the MORE Act, which we'll talk about, I'm sure, it, it's, it's, it's regressive. And so as a cannabis regulator, I have a lot of concerns about um, what, what just passed last week. All right. Well, let's talk about some of the, the points that might have um, that might have um, jumped out to most people. Um, there's a there's a community reinvestment grant which would provide funding and services such as job training, reentry services, etc. And the cannabis opportunity grant, which they say would provide funds to assist small businesses in the in the cannabis industry. Um, both of those things would seem on this face something that would be positive for um, say our community, the black community you would have something like the Community Reinvestment Act, which would hopefully give job training and help with people who are coming back from um, serving prison sentences and some serving jail sentences to get into this uh, get into this space. And also the Cannabis uh, Opportunity Act would allow for cannabis banking. But in your opinion, um, how, do those, how do those two points stand out to you? Oh, they're excellent in the sense that they are theoretically in the right direction. Um, you know, I'm in charge of actually implementation, right? And I think one of the things that happens is that we realize we can write a beautiful bill. It sounds good. But then when you actually have to implement it and who's implementing it, it can often come with the same systemic racist bias that we've had color all of our policy um, you know, since the birth of this country. Um, you know, one of the things I'll point out, and this is the reinvestment part of the MORE Act's um, acronym, you said it, Opportunity Reinvestment Expungement. And so in many ways, I've been judging the MORE Act based on how well it does its acronym. And so this is the reinvestment part. I definitely would give it a B, you know, a B minus. And the main reason is that it uses a lot of the same tools that already don't work for our black and brown folks. The SBA um, historically has been a terrible out 
outlet for which uh, small businesses that are owned by black and brown folks um, actually can receive a loan. I think the number is somewhere in the between one and 2%, which is severely under um, our proportion. Um, even if we think about the, the, the emergency loans that just happened, uh, there's a ridiculous number that uh, people don't realize went to white males. It's like 83 yeah. or 84%. So these are already tools that don't really work for, um, I think, the, the, the communities that were most harmed by uh, racially biased cannabis prohibition. All right. And now I have seen plenty, plenty of people cheer this on, especially people of color, um, people in the cannabis space. They looked at it as, um, and what's the mentality I like to call it, the, the, the move by inches mentality. They praise it as something that's a start. Um, do you see it still as a start, at least to jumpstart a conversation? Or, I mean, honestly, it, we, it's still got to go through the Senate. So this could be dead on arrival the second it happens. But do you still feel like this is a good step in the right direction, at least? Well, you know, I won't deny the historical uh, context in which we, you know, are seeing this bill. This is the first time ever in the history of the country that um, Congress, any portion of it has said, hey, cannabis should be legal and voted in a majority way. And a lot of the testimony that was seen during um, uh, the vote was really, I think, inspiring and, uh, you know, really speaks to uh, the cannabis equity movement that I've been a part of, you've been a part of. I mean, since we started talking, and we've been talking about how to, you know, we get more black and brown folks based on some of these social justice issues and the racial disparities and arrests. But I think what really is the challenge is there are some non-starters. When you dig deeper into the bill, the opportunity part, right, in the name is really supposed to be for people who were most harmed. One of the most um, interesting things I saw when I saw the difference between the 2019 bill and what was just passed is that they removed the word most in front of most harmed, um, which in my opinion means that in some ways it became, you know, we're not just talking about black, indigenous, and brown, Latinx. We're talking about anyone who was harmed, which was quite, you know, I'll be honest, it was definitely millions and millions of, of white people also arrested. It, it just isn't, was it disproportionately so, you know? Um, and that's really where most comes from. So that superlative being removed is a signal to me. But the most important thing that became a non-starter for cannabis regulators like myself, where we're overseeing and implementing equity programs is that it had a felony exclusion provision, basically saying if you have a state or federal um, cannabis related felony, you would be excluded from the industry in any way, shape or form. Whether so that excludes you, us. What'd you say? That excludes us. That excludes a, a large more, amount more of or less disproportionately so. <laughs> yeah. But let's be real. It also walks back three years of work. We just got Colorado to actually say, hey, we need to have that person as an equity designation. And they've been legal for 10 years. So in literally three months time, they did that in June. And now the House of Representatives essentially put in federal um, you know, statute the opposite. It says those people will not be able to have a federal permit. And guess what? You need one because the other thing that was included was that everybody must have a federal license whether you want to sell outside of your state or not so every mom and pop shop every craft cannabis this wasn't a bill that just wasn't good for black and indigenous and um, latinx it was a bill that's not good for small business including the msos which by the way a lot of people got it twisted i mean i know they're multi-million dollar companies but they're still small businesses compared to walmart target like yeah. we all of the big farm that we have like they're multi-billion dollar companies so this bill was great for that you know um and I, I 
I get the feeling it was not, you know, intentional, but we worked down the hour to try to get it pulled, to be perfectly honest, because we noticed that provision maybe three days before it was voted on and we were like, oh, no, no, no. And we started ringing the alarm and we still are because once something is voted in the House, usually that's the starting point. Even if it doesn't pass Senate, that's the starting point next year. Um, so it's just, it's just about how we, we understand government to work. The other thing I want to dispel as a myth is this idea that, oh, if it doesn't pass the Senate, it doesn't even matter. Well, it does, because states are definitely keen to what Big Brother is doing. They don't want to be really out of alignment with federal government, but so do the private equity firms. Like They've been betting on cannabis based on a lot of different federal uh, moves. When the Cole memo was uh, rescinded after we initially got our first, uh, first of few attorney generals in this administration um yeah the 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 stock market as far as cannabis uh equity deals that were happening they all kind of started going a little wayward um a lot of people this year part of their performance in some ways but some for real have made significant investments in cannabis equity and we finally started talking about it in the right way which is those most harming talk about the people directly that means you got arrest or conviction due to marijuana charge right those are the people that are saying that they can't be in it. So I think I'm worried a little bit about what the backlash could be. Opportunists and people who are opposition to our equity push would absolutely leverage this and they'd, they'd have a, a little bit of a precedent, if you will. Um, we don't think it's going to pass the Senate, but either way, we're not going to take that chance. I think this is a bill that walks us backwards three years. So it, it, being somebody who, who, who understands social equity and being somebody who understands policy, what would you add to the bill that you would feel would, 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 um, would um, make, every, make people a little bit more happier? Well, to first of all, uh, you know, to begin with, the opportunity was really meant for the people who had the direct harm and then their families and communities and surrounding. Um, and so that means those people can't be excluded. They need to have a, a, an entire equity designated track the same way we've set up on a state level. It needs to be clear, but it can't be convoluted. Um, I don't think we need to also try to start everything new, but a lot of the old tools that we've been using are broken, systemically broken. And so to try to, you know, push millions of dollars of money through it, I feel we would be waiting years before we see any real benefit. So I think it's about creating an equity board, um, something that can actually manage the money too. We've seen some success on the state and local level for that, as opposed to going through SBA and all these other, again, uh, tools that are intended to help us, but have not in the 40 years they've been around. Um, they had their shot, you know, that's the way I see it. The last piece is the E, right, expungement. And so on a federal level, this bill does include expungement. A lot of people are cheering about that, but I don't know about you, Mecca, but where I'm from, if you call it a federal case, you got a state case too. Mm -hmm. And I've been saying that to everyone. <laughs> and there are also some states that they will not do it unless it's a mandate. And so leaving it open, yes the state to choose is still yet again we're allowing ourselves to be subject to what we already know exists in this country which is systemic racism and i mean an existing place we don't expect new york doesn't even have expungement as a thing in the constitution so it needs a federal mandate um otherwise you're going to see a lot of running around 
because um, it's certainly not something that is in the bills that have been put forth within that state, um, not on the side of the, the governor necessarily, but certainly the advocates. I just think we shouldn't have to be fighting at the state level for expungements. Almost all of these states is like a 96% chance that you've got a federal case, you've got a state one, they need to be required to expunge as well and stop giving you know a half-hearted kind of attempt to this. Um, I, I would want to see that for, before I could really call it the Moore Act in the way that it's been named and branded. And I feel like they're capitalizing off of the branding as opposed to really doing. All right. Um, well, one last thing. Um, you know, we're seeing a, a turn of, of uh, we're seeing a turn when it comes to people supporting cannabis. You know, we're at a point now where about 68 percent of Americans across the country support legalization. We're watching the United Nations Commission on Narcotics um, Drugs remove cannabis from the schedule from the schedule of dangerous drugs. Um, how how close do you feel like maybe, and maybe if, if it could possibly happen in 2021 that we see the United States actually pass a bill that would decriminalize cannabis on a federal level? You know, um, where we are right now, I, I'm good on the, the federal legalization, but I think that um, we started with this bill being the Marijuana Justice Act, and, and that was in 2017, and it was really only focused on the social justice component, and I think we've gotten away from what it's really, it, where the most harm is happening, and needs to, you know, that needs to stop. Instead, we're too busy trying to build because of, I think, COVID, um, and, and the coffers being thing we're trying to build a, a, a revenue structure for the government too we first need to you know release people from prison and or you know expunge records uh, we need to change a lot of what we've been doing as it pertains to cannabis and so I think that's doable if we look at the new administration and what they ran on and we actually hold them to it um, I think decriminalization on that level they need to just stop arresting people and locking folks up um, unnecessarily Long story short. Uh, thank you very much, Nishita, for your time today, man. I really appreciate you giving us a little bit more insight on the MORE Act and giving us your, your opinion as far as what could be done better for the Act. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. No problem. Thank you. And that's Cash Color Campus, a high level of conversation. And this episode is sponsored by Dank Seeds, the architects of distinct cannabis strains. Crossbreeds that harness effects that bestow elevated experiences upon those who consume them. Cash Color Cannabis will be collaborating with Dank Seeds over the next four months on an exclusive short blog series. Stay tuned for more details. In the meantime, head to DankSeeds.com to see what they offer.